This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. As you may have seen from the description of the session today, I'm going to be talking about what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. So have any of you in this room ever met an ambassador? Anybody? Yeah? A couple of you? So I have. I've met a few. um, And one is a story I won't tell you, maybe privately later if you'd like to know. It's a bit awkward. Um, Well, actually, both are awkward, but I am going to tell you about the second one. So I was working fresh out of university, and I was working um, at a charity in Ottawa. And we did a fundraiser that worked with the ambassador and his wife from, uh, they were the Dutch ambassador and his wife living in Ottawa. And they lived in this fancy high-rise apartment, beautiful luxury apartment. And we were going to be having a lunch meeting at their embassy, at their residence. So uh, we got all dressed up in our nice suits and we headed out in the middle of winter. So it's slushy, it's disgusting outside. And I'm with my boss and I'm with my executive director and we're walking towards the apartment building and they've got their practical pumps, indoor shoes, in those little bags, you know, the little ones you could get at uh, Canadian Tire with a drawstring. And I'm kind of laughing at them because I'm in my young, in my early 20s, I'm kind of like stylish and hip. And these old ladies I'm with are, you know, have their practical flats and their practical pumps. And so we get inside and I'm thinking, who even wears indoor shoes in someone's house? It's weird. Anyway, we get there and they change into their little pumps and they're, you know, on the carpet and I'm barefooted. I've got my nylons on, right? My suit. And about 10 minutes later, and I mean, this is a very serious meeting. These are very important, fancy people. And uh, about 10 minutes into our visit, my boss comes up to me and says, "Um, yeah, you're going to need to put your shoes on. And I said, well, I I don't, didn't bring indoor shoes or in her living room. And uh, she said, yeah, I know. I said, well, I, don't, I only have my winter boots, which are covered in slush and not very, they don't go well with a suit, you know. I don't know about your winter boots, but um, I said, all I have is my winter boots. And she said, I know. They want you to put your shoes on. So I don't know, I was maybe uh, just not aware of this rule, but I guess it was rude to be inside their house without shoes on. So I had to go put my winter boots on. So in my suit, and here I thought I was all stylish, and I was kind of judging them, and there I was, looking like an idiot, in my giant winter boots in their living room on their off-white carpeting. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So um, I told you this story really only so that you could laugh at me. You know, I wanted to start out you kind of feeling like, oh, well. Now we know what she's all about. Um, But I have to admit that the idea of talking about being an ambassador for anyone is a little bit of an intimidating topic for me. Um, You know, I always would have thought of an ambassador as someone, um, you know, with a lot of prestige and importance. And when I think about that and me being an ambassador, it makes me feel a little bit out of place. Um, You know, wouldn't they want someone a little fancier, Uh, someone a little more well-versed, quite literally, Um, and someone more prepared. Um, But the reality is we have all been appointed to be ambassadors for Christ. And we have been appointed by the king to represent Christ. So an ambassador is actually the ranking government representative in a foreign nation. And as Christians, in a world, for the most part, that doesn't know Christ, we are foreigners. 
We are foreigners because we are citizens of heaven, not of earth. We are in a temporary earthly home here, and we have been sent out on an important duty. So that means that you are the ranking official representing your government, and your government is the kingdom of God. You see, as ambassadors of Christ, we are not representing what government happens to be, what political leader happens to be in charge at that moment. We don't represent an earthly democracy. We represent a kingdom with an unchanging and perfect king. I think most of us would have a general understanding of what the role of an ambassador would do. They are appointed by the prime minister and they are stationed in various countries to represent Canada. And likewise, we are appointed by God, and we are appointed into our own sphere to represent Christ. And I believe that representing Christ is a really important part of our identity as Christians, and it's something that many of us have not given a whole lot of thought to. And I know what some of you are thinking, because it's what I was thinking, that we're not qualified, you know, maybe we're shy, Maybe we don't have the answers to the tough questions. But did you know that some ambassadors for some countries have never worked in foreign service? They are simply chosen because they have valuable experience in business, in education, maybe in arts and culture, or in political science. So don't underestimate what God has placed inside you that you have to offer. Now, you may not be on a world stage like an ambassador would be, but you do have influence in your own sphere. And your sphere is unlike anyone else's sphere. So anybody here have maybe a coworker who's going through a hard time? Anybody? Carlene. Okay, Carlene has it. Thank you, Carlene. Carlene has a coworker who's going through a hard time. Female coworker? Okay, we're going to call her Janet. So Janet is having a really hard time. And um, Margaret, you're a Christian, right? Yeah, you love Jesus. So... Um, Janet's having a tough time, so I was really hoping that maybe you could represent Christ and just like give her, you know, like maybe call her up. That'd be a bit, bit weird, maybe. Would that be a bit weird to call Janet? Because you don't, right, she doesn't know Janet. Carlene knows Janet. Carlene is probably the only one in this room who knows Janet. Does Janet know anybody? Janet's not here, is she? That'd be really, that'd be awkward, especially since I invented her name. Um, my point, my silly point, is that Carlene really is the only person who has influence with Janet. So Carlene needs to be Christ to Janet because she may be the only Christian that Janet knows. And I know you probably have a Uncle Bill and at Thanksgiving, you know, the topic of religion comes up. Maybe even the talk of politics these days can often bring up Christian values and, and conversations. And you might be the only one who can reach Uncle Bill when he's talking about why do these things happen? Or why is the world the way it is at Thanksgiving? So I want to encourage you that you need to take charge and be an ambassador for Christ in the influence of your own sphere and not be afraid to speak up because God has uniquely placed you. Now your sphere might not be glamorous and that's okay because God knows what he's doing. And in fact, I would go as far to say as God has commanded us to do this. Or perhaps we could use the word commissioned. So following Jesus' resurrection, before he ascended into heaven, here's what he had to say. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
So this is the instruction he left with us. This is his command, therefore it's his duty, our duty. And why? Why is that our duty? So his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I know we've probably all said that prayer so many times, but how many times have we said it and not given any thought to what it really means? Jesus commissioned us, and it is part of our identity as Christians. It's part of our makeup. We're we're born to do this. Now, maybe you aren't meant to be a pastor. Maybe you aren't meant to be a worship leader, but we are all called to represent the kingdom of God, and I think that's such an amazing privilege. And even if you don't feel prepared, and even if you don't want the responsibility, I would say that this is something we need to do because if even one person in your sphere knows that you're a Christian, you automatically are representing him to them. Regardless of if we want to, and regardless of if we're doing a good job at it, we are representing him whether we want to or not. So we owe him our very best. Now, let's be honest. As Christians, we are going to stand out. And remember, we are foreigners on a foreign land. So in a way, I think we should feel a little out of place. Now, have you ever traveled to another country, another culture, and things feel a little different? You know, the the food's different. Maybe the smells are a little different. And you just feel maybe a bit out of place. Maybe you have a different skin color than the people who are around you. And I think that, um, you know, as citizens of heaven here on earth, that we have better stand out. We better stand out from the people around us. So I have a 17-year-old stepson, and uh, I hear a lot, but all the other kids are getting to fill in the blank. And this has been going on for years. Those of you who are parents may have similar experience. And my answer to him has always been the same. As Christians, I say to him, as a Christian, your life needs to look different. So your lives need to look different than your friends or your coworkers, and our decisions need to look different because we are supposed to be representing Jesus. And that word, and we've we've probably already heard this this morning, I think Sandra alluded to it, we are re-presenting Jesus. He presented himself on earth, and now we have to represent him, represent Jesus. What does your life look like? Are you re-presenting him when you're around your non-Christian friends and your coworkers? Now, when Christ was about to ascend after his resurrection, he proclaimed that we would go on to do greater things than he did. In John 14, 12, he says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will go on to do greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. So let that sink in for a minute. Christ himself said that we would do greater things than he did. Challenge accepted. I don't know about you guys, but I want to heal the sick. I want to comfort the hopeless. I want to befriend those without friends. I want to raise the dead. I mean, that's awesome. And I feel like sometimes we don't take the full power of what he has actually commissioned us to do. If we're going to do greater things than he did, well, he's so awesome. He is so great. And I think we need to stop being maybe a little bit ashamed, maybe, of our values look so different than our friends, or our ideas look different, our decisions look different. Because Jesus told us this is what we needed to do, and he's going to empower us to do that. Because when Jesus spoke, it mattered. He said amazing and important things. So, and I just really feel like our words and our decisions have so much, have so much power. So here's something that's been on my heart lately. This is a bit of a challenge for you. So next time you're on maybe social media and someone is posting, you know, something Maybe they've had a loss in the family or they're going through something difficult. And, you know, we always sort of say, 
thoughts and prayers. My thoughts and prayers are with you, you know. It seems to be a little bit of a... Um, something we all go to in those moments. So my challenge to you is thoughts and prayers are awesome and keep doing those. Keep praying for the people in your sphere, but pick up the phone and call them. Take them out for coffee, maybe bring them a meal because we need to be representing our, our kingdom and I think the world is getting tired of hearing Christians say, I'm praying for you and then doing nothing because our kingdom is love in action. You know, John the Baptist and Jesus uh, began preaching about the kingdom after 400 years of silence between God and his people. Now, what if you are the representative of Christ now who needs to speak kingdom into someone else's 400 years of silence? Now, it isn't God who stopped talking, but our world has tuned him out and we have silenced him and we need to be the sound in that silence. The other important thing that happened uh, when Jesus was preparing to ascend was that he left us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit qualifies us to do this work, so you don't really need to worry. Uh, In John 14, it says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' spirit. And Jesus described himself as the light of the world. And he said that we would be the light of the world. So you see, he simply passed the torch to us. The message has not changed. It's that the messenger has changed. And now you are the messenger here on earth. Jesus no longer walks the earth, but has left us in charge with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't need to be perfect. Seriously. And I have some examples for you. Uh, So let's start with Moses. This is funny, I'm getting, Marnie, my bestie Marnie's here and she sent me a text earlier today as an encouragement. Here's the irony. She felt as though, and she was right, that I needed to be encouraged to do this message. When it's funny because the whole irony of that is my whole message is about how you need to, you know, be encouraged to go be a messenger. And um, my whole thing is about giving you guys all these reasons why you need to feel like you're ready and you're qualified and you're good enough. And then my bestie was like, you need to know you're good enough and qualified and prepared. And I'm going to read you the text. She had no idea what I was talking about other than the topic title. Um, But I want to give you a couple examples of other people who didn't feel qualified because I personally find these stories hilarious. So Moses was living the sweet shepherd life in, uh, in Midian when God appeared to him one day in the form of a burning bush. I don't know about you, but if God appeared to me in a burning bush, I'd probably just automatically do what he said. But that doesn't seem to be what happens in the Bible. People argue with God a lot. We do too. Um, So Moses uh, is there and God appears as the burning bush. And he tells Moses that he needs to go to Pharaoh and bring God's people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And now God says this, I will be with you. Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. I mean, this is pretty great because God is basically offering to mentor Moses and tell him exactly what to do. I mean, it can't really get much easier than that. So obviously Moses is totally on board, right? Yeah, no, he's not, wrong. No, here's what Moses says. I missed this until studying for this uh, talk and I think this is great. Here's what Moses says. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. That's awesome. You're burning bush, but just, nah, I'm just going to go back to my sheep. Um, And so God's basically saying, Moses, it's cool. I got your back. I'll be with you. But he's not convinced. 
Uh, And remember back when Jesus commissioned us? Did you catch the end of what he said? He said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So let's recap. God is with us. Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit has been left for us. So I don't know about you, but that's a pretty stacked trifecta that we have backing us. So we do not need to be intimidated about representing Christ and speaking out about him because we have had multiple assurances. And these are just a couple examples of in the Bible where where God and Jesus have said in the spirit that they're with us. Um, If you need another example, I think we should talk about Saul. So Saul, if you don't know Saul, he was essentially a ringleader in a movement to rid the entire earth of Christians. He wanted to arrest them, extradite them, kill them. Uh, Saul was well known to not be a friend of Christians. However, uh, on the way to Damascus, he had a dramatic encounter with, uh, with Jesus and became a passionate, I mean passion evangelist. And God actually had this to say, remember, I mean, I'm, I'm breezing over this, but Saul was not a good person. This is what God said about him. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim the name, my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So Jesus will use us and he will trust us even if we fail, even if we fall, even if we're scared, even if we mess up, and yes, even if we are not a very good person because he does not require perfection. Now, I just want to read to you what Marnie sent me. This is funny. (laughs) You're the best, Marnie. Okay. So just remember, she's trying to encourage me. She says, now remember, (laughs) Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper and denied Christ. David had an affair and tried to cover it up with murder. Noah got drunk. Elisha was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Paul was murder and was way too religious. Timothy had ulcers. guy. (laughs) It's not his fault. (laughs) He just needs to cut back on the coffee. So Timothy had ulcers. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Uh, Rehab was a prostitute. Isaiah preached naked for three years. (laughs) That's not happening here today. John the Baptist ate bugs. (laughs) And had second thoughts about the very Messiah he had baptized. Jeremiah was way too emotional. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was too short. Abraham was old. <laughs> Again, not his fault. <laughs> Lazarus, Lazarus was dead. <laughs> God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Marnie, maybe you should be up here. <clears throat> oh, I say I turned off my time. I uh, turned off my clock, so... Oh, talk faster. No, don't talk faster. Okay. Oh, I'm almost done. Here's a couple of things that does, God does require, because I, I spent a lot of time talking to you about how he doesn't require us to be perfect. But in order... We're representing him anyway, like I said. So in order to do a good job at it, here's what I do think he requires from us. I do think that being a good ambassador for Christ requires surrender. Now, if you aren't surrendering your own will to God's will, then you won't be able to to represent him well because you will be representing yourself. And just like Moses had to 
give up what he wanted to do and met so many other characters uh, and people we love to read about in the Bible. So I encourage you to dive in, uh, read the stories about these people who also struggled when God asked them uh, to represent him and to, to follow him because you aren't alone in feeling unprepared. But you will also find that in all of these examples that you can trust God with your life. But it does require us to surrender ourselves to his will. I also believe that we need to get right with God. Um, We need our relationship with him to be restored. I mean, he did his part. He restored and reconciled himself to us through the death of his son. Um, But we need to do our part. And sometimes for some of us, that's a daily thing of getting right with him and getting close to him and making the changes we need to become more holy. Um, The third thing I think we need to do is quite simple. I think we need to share the gospel, because if we won't share the gospel, who will? Like I said with uh, Janet at Carlene's work, she might be the only person who would ever share the gospel. So we need to be unafraid to do that. Now, I know all of you probably have heard um, and been quite moved by the crash in Saskatchewan a couple weeks ago now. Um, I don't know if any of you uh, watched the vigil on TV or perhaps even uh, read about it afterwards, but the uh, chaplain for the team, Chaplain Sean Brando, um, gave an, a, a moving um, talk at the vigil. And if you haven't watched it, there's a transcript available, but I would encourage you to go onto uh, YouTube or wherever it is online and actually watch, um, watch him speak Um, But here's something that struck me about, oh, he was speaking to friends and family in the arena um, in Humboldt, and uh, he was talking about how as the team chaplain, he would work with the hockey players um, and build to build their character and do a lot of character building and uh, teamwork and things. And uh, the coach, who is a well-known Christian, said, you know, I love that you're trying to teach these guys about their character, but forget about their character. They need Jesus. So just tell them about Jesus, you know, and that is, and how badly they all needed Jesus, you know, how badly that town needs Jesus. And I thought, here's this pastor who's clearly hurting and having such a hard time even knowing how to offer more comfort after the few days he'd lived through. And he's got this room full of hurting people and the prime minister of our country sitting quietly in the back, drawing no attention to himself, trying to offer support. And he said, you all need Jesus. And he said, I would be doing Coach Darcy a disservice. I would be doing myself as a pastor a disservice. And I would be doing every Christian a disservice if I didn't tell you the one thing you need is Jesus. He's the only answer. And I just thought, yeah, that is so simple. And we try and make it so complicated. But sometimes tragedies like that show us that not only is life, life brief, but the answer is so simple. It's just Jesus. The answer to all of it is Jesus. We might need to find uh, different ways to convey that. Um, But I just want to encourage you that if he can stand up on national television and say, that's all, it's just Jesus. That's the answer. That we can do it to our friends at work. We can do it to our families at Thanksgiving. And I am with you. I come from a non-Christian family. I'm the only one in my family goes to church. And those conversations can be hard. But I just want to encourage you that there's no better time than to just get back to the basics and share what Jesus was all about. And the final thing I think we need to do to be good ambassadors for Christ is to discern God's voice, because I don't think that we can really well represent something or someone that we don't know. 
So we need to be open to hearing his voice and following through with what he wants us to do and what he wants us to say to others. So that, um, that means spending time every day with him in prayer, getting to know the sound of his voice and reading about him. Open your Bible every day. And I promise you, if you start doing that, intentionally seeking out the sound of God's voice, that you will find it. Now, I have a 10-year-old daughter, and she is a force to be reckoned with. Um, And a few weeks ago, we were um, talking about a female in her life, an adult female, who is quite difficult. And I was trying to explain to her that not only little girls her age, but also fully grown women can often lack in self-love. And sometimes this makes them not very nice people. And I was trying to explain, because she was sort of struggling with why an adult would be mean and critical and, and harsh. And I was trying to explain that um, as women, sometimes we spend a lot of time trying to tear each other down, um, which just brings us down. And she was sort of quiet in the backseat of the car. And then she said, Mom, it's like we're all chained together. So if you push someone else down, it pulls you down with them. Yeah, she's so right. And you know, I was really thinking about that as I prepared for today. We are all connected. And it's cool, Kara kind of talked about that this morning. Um, But since we're all connected by a chain, like she said, then I think we need to chain ourselves to Jesus because he will always lift you higher and elevate you. And because we're connected with him, we're aligned with heaven and you are heaven's earthly representative. So the beauty of that is if we hook ourselves to Jesus and he is constantly elevating us, then we are going to lift up the people that we are connected with. That's just how it works. And it took the brilliance of 10-year-old to teach me that. And she was really super proud that I was going to tell you guys this this morning. (laughs) So thanks, Gabby, for that beautiful illustration that we're gonna lift each other higher. And I hope that as her mom, I will be able to lift her higher. And I'm trying to teach her to lift her friends higher because 10 year old girls need to be lifted up higher sometimes, (laughs) I am learning. Um, Before I end and let Carlene come up here and share a word from God, I wanted to tell you about something weird that happened to me last week. So I had this very, very vivid dream of this. We were all here together and I was just, I'd just gotten up here and I was going to start tell, you know, getting into my, I was cracking some jokes, trying to get you guys to like me, trying to soften up the crowd. And Sandra burst into the room, panicked. Sandra, who is uh, Pastor Sandra, she burst in and we kind of all turned and she said, everybody needs to get outside. You need to get outside right now. There's been a terrible accident and they need you all outside helping and praying for people. So we all just, we like all got up and ran outside. And when we got outside, it was just like a scene of chaos. And we all, you, you guys were amazing. You all ran in every direction. And I kind of lost track of most of you because I found a paramedic, a young paramedic, and she was very distraught. And so I started praying with her and helping her. But I'd look over and I'd see you guys. You guys were like triaging, like nurses. You guys were all over the place praying. And it was, um, it was an upsetting dream, obviously. And I woke up and I was like, God, what is that all about? And... I was sort of struggling with whether or not to bring it up because I thought, well, God, I feel like you kind of want me to say something about that, but what's going on with that weird dream? And here's his answer, as clear as day. He said, that's what representing me looks like. 
And it struck me that following Jesus and representing his kingdom is not always easy. And it sometimes requires running straight into trauma, straight into difficulty or uncertainty or uncomfortable moments, even when other people are running from it. And I want to leave you with uh, one last thought that being an ambassador for Christ is a very prestigious position but it's not the kind of prestigious that requires your guests to wear their winter boots on your carpet. It's the kind of prestigious that sends you running into difficulty so that you can show our broken world what love looks like. You know, and this is a position that's been given to you directly by Christ himself. So do not let the enemy dislodge you from your rightful post. Do not spend any more time worrying about whether or not you're prepared. Just get prepared. You need to live commissioned. You need to listen to the sound of God's voice and represent your kingdom wherever you go. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 